0: This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Okay. Welcome to Drinking with Authors, the Literary Briefs edition. I am your host, Erica Lance. With me is
1: Vanessa,
0: and we have the alumni second. Time on the podcast, first time ever having a second time on the podcast. John Dover. Woo! Woo! Okay, let's talk about what we're drinking. I'm not drinking as much as I normally do. I'm not carrying my alcoholism, but I'm just you know broken legs, so I can't do that much. I am drinking Kung Fu Girl Riesling from Washington State, which I got at World Market. I'm super, and well, I'm out of it now, so it's fine. It's only one bottle. It's, it's fine. I'll be fine. <laughs> vanessa listen i am a responsible human in my house if i endanger myself it's my own business so i won't be drunk driving my scooter down the street
2: what a shame
0: Uh, yeah it's a cute scooter though i named it archimedes and put stickers all over it (laughs) around vanessa what are you drinking
1: i just refilled my sangria which is doctored up pre-made sangria and stick some cinnamon sticks so it kind of seeps in there. So yes, that's what I'm working with.
0: Okay, stop swirling it like that. You are on a white thing wearing a white shirt.
1: I can't I feel I feel fancy when I'm like swirling like
0: okay well if you feel fancy when you get that all over yourself too then that's fine.
1: Well then then this becomes a comedy special, you know
0: then it's art. Yes
1: it exactly. Is.
0: Yes. <laughs> Wet t-shirt contest with red wine. No.
1: Okay. John,
0: what are you drinking?
2: I am drinking High West Whiskey Double Rye today.
0: In honor of?
2: In honor of my upcoming release of Once Upon a Fang in the West, where many a shots slash bottle slash canteen of whiskey is consumed within that pulpy spaghetti western vampire book.
0: And for those that are listening, apparently there is going to be a whiskey... Chalk glass signed book combination at some point that you can partake in i better get the link because i swear to god if they sell out and i don't get one i'm gonna have a problem
2: you will get the link first thing as soon as i sign that deal you're good to go
0: good okay so rapid fire questions what is the favorite book you've read this year
2: i can't say mine
0: you can say yours go ahead that's i mean wildly (laughs) egotistical and nobody will have respect for you but go ahead
2: Thank you. <laughs> Nobody respects me anyways. So bravo me. I win. <laughs> um,
0: You're like, I read this spaghetti Western with vampires about 50 times.
2: <laughs> it's kind of crazy how that works. Uh, I read a few books. No, um, actually a a good friend of mine uh, wrote a book that I had lots of fun with. Uh, it is a fantasy anthology style. Uh, he wrote it himself. Uh, it is, I'm looking up the name right now because as everyone knows, I cannot remember anything after a couple of drinks of whiskey.
0: That's and okay. I, On the last podcast, one of the girls, it was very funny that we interviewed. She, um, Well, we were only interviewing her and she said, she, I'm like, well, what book are you reading right now? And she says the name. And then she says the author, I was, you know, had a couple of drinks. So I was like, that doesn't sound right. And then later she texts me and she's like, is there any way to edit the recording? Because <laughs> I said the wrong author name. And I'm like, um, actually, uh, you, you're on drinking with authors. Nobody cares that you got it wrong. Like literally nobody cares. You got it wrong. So you're fine.
2: All right. I got it now. <laughs> I found it. Okay.
0: Go. yeah, so, t-
2: Tales from the Fog by Eric Mertz.
0: Tales from the Fog by Eric Mertz, which is a high fantasy anthology?
2: By himself. So it's more of a story collection, I guess. It's not really an anthology. It would be a story collection within the world that he created. And he has a novel coming out that is based in that world as well. But I got to, I got a sneak peek at his story collection.
0: Very cool. And did you read anything that was just trash?
2: Well, that would be my book. <laughs>
0: Oh, you can't say
2: that? No, no. My book is trashy. That's different. That's different. Yeah,
0: it's very different. We're, <laughs> we're talking about something we want to throw in the bin. As would say I, in the
2: you know, I, I did not. I, I do have to admit, I did not read anything that was pure trash.
0: That's good. That's good. Okay. So my question that I thought of on the last podcast, and I was like, this will be a very good rapid fire question, is who would play... So you talked about your two characters in the last podcast, and one of them... Has no morals, and the other one's in a complete moral debate about himself all the time. Yes, I want to know who you think would play them if suddenly somebody came to you and said, "We're mm-hmm. casting this." Yes, mm-hmm. yes, because I know, remember we asked you who would play Johnny Scotch.
2: You did, and I think I said Scott Atkins but you did. Um, I you did. You gave that answer only because I would actually share this this actor with both things.
0: Okay, so, okay.
2: I would say so for the character who is wrestling with his morals, I think one of the more interesting uh character actors I've seen recently is Sebastian Stan.
0: <gasps> yeah, I was just thinking that he is amazing. Yes. Oh.
2: I am really impressed. Like of anything out of the MCU, let alone Falcon and the Winter Soldier, he is the literally the only thing keeping me coming back i think he is extremely underrated i think he has a ton of depth he knows how to physically handle himself which is great which is perfect for any of those characters i, I like
1: am a, team bucky all the way
0: have you wow. seen him as luke skywalker <laughs> I
2: I've, I've heard the rumors that you know oh, no, the he, internet looks, is like, he looks no exactly either. like mark hamill i know it's great
1: it's crazy like it's crazy well, he said that he would only do it, though, if Mark Hamill called him up and said, I give my approval for you to do this, which I'm hoping somewhere down the line, Mark, if you're listening, I need you <laughs> to get his number. I need you to call him up and tell him to play you. I, I mean, that would be- He hard. already
0: said no. What? <sighs> Hamill's already said he didn't want to see that. What?
2: He'd rather see himself de-aged? Okay. Thanks, CGI.
0: (laughs) That is Who knows? The world changes. Plus, Disney owns Star Wars now, so it doesn't matter what anybody freaking says. It
2: doesn't. It doesn't. Now, as far as the other character in this book, the creepy one. Yes. Like, if I had my dream cast, that would be Willem Dafoe. Because Um, he plays creepy so well in, like, an unassuming, like, natural way. He could really grab onto the ambiguity of the character and I think really you out.
0: I have a very fun William Defoe story that didn't have me actually interacting with him. But a friend of mine told me about this movie he did called, I think it's called Animorph, right? And he's a police detective and he's chasing a serial killer who is like positioning bodies and, you know, um, and into these sort of like, um weird very graphic artistic kind of poses right so and i think it's called anamorph anyway he told me all about this movie and i got the dvd for like two dollars and 40 cents off of amazon and i should tell you something right there so basically it was i'm sure the person who had it got 50 cents from sending it to me amazon prime and he's like what do you mean you only paid two dollars i'm like it was on amazon prime for like they sent me the dvd it was like two (laughs) dollars And he's like, that movie is worth so much more than that. And we were talking and I'm like, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to just send William Dafoe money? Is that what you want me to do? And he was like, that movie worth at least five bucks. I mean, this is crazy. So I wrote this entire letter to William Dafoe to his, uh, I never got it back. Sent it to his um, agent, because like how you contact him, explaining right. the entire circumstance, how much I enjoyed the movie, how much I enjoyed him, and I taped the remaining, uh, so I said I paid $2.40 for this, so I am sending you the remaining $2.60, <laughs> and I taped it in there because my friend insisted this movie, I should have at least paid $5 for it, and I was like, and then I agree. It was like, I still have the letter somewhere. It's so ridiculous. It's like a two-page letter to him. You on literally take this- <laughs>
1: someone's day when they open that
2: up. They just were like,
1: this person. What the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
2: See, but you did that wrong. You should have sent it as a check because he has to endorse that. And now you've got to sign something signed by Willem Dafoe.
0: I, was, I That's not, you know, it wasn't the whole point. My thing was that it didn't get sent back. So whether they trashed it or gave it to him, I don't know how that works. I just hope that whoever read it found the humor in what I was doing with it because it's this really long letter explaining the movie and why i had to pay this money for this movie and making sure he had all the royalties that he deserved from this movie
2: oh that's amazing
0: yeah don't don't challenge me on things like that i, I, I will walk up to celebrities for just <laughs> random shit i'm like let's talk about this thing you know um okay so that's who you would have um i'm assuming is the character like william defoe age now or younger william defoe like
2: no, he can be he can be where he's at right now. Because honestly, he looks like he hasn't aged that much. I, I mean, don't think 10, he's 10, I think he's years. like Keith Richards and they're yeah. aliens. Yeah. yeah. No, he he should totally just be himself because there's supposed to be an age differential in the two characters anyways. There's that there's the power power differential. So I would I think that would be just perfect casting right there.
0: So When we talked last time, has anybody cosplayed your characters for you?
2: (laughs) Not voluntarily? (laughs) No, in that I... What the hell does
0: that mean?
2: At a couple of Comic-Cons, I have... uh, I've I've paid for a couple of models to come to my booth and hang out as Lila. Who is the, the female antagonist in my second Johnny Scotch book.
0: So how um, would she be cast?
2: That one's tougher. I've had a lot of trouble trying to think of who Lila would be because I, I have, I've never had any trouble with her kind of being like a mid-30s, mid-40s kind of range, uh, prefer kind of like a, a fiery redhead kind of character. I've always tried to avoid the idea of Angelina Jolie. I don't think that style of actress would work. Uh, she, so I've always had trouble figuring out who the heck would be Lila.
1: So she's a redhead and she's sassy and mm-hmm. she's very confident in herself, like Elizabeth Hurley and Bedazzle kind of?
2: Kind, uh, of. Yeah, kind of. Even more, I mean, I think the perfect example of Lila... Is this picture that my artist did of Lila for the cover of our third one. Oh,
1: my goodness.
2: Just like over the top. You know what she kind of
0: reminds me of, but she's way too old now, Hmm. is Kathleen Turner.
2: Kind of a Kathleen Turner-esque. I I would agree with that. Like if Kathleen Turner were romancing the stone Kathleen Turner. That
0: that that Kathleen Turner, romancing the stone Kathleen Turner.
2: So if Romancing the Stone Kathleen Turner is out there and wants to be cast in a movie that I can't afford to cast, then I'm ready to do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have you thought about writing screenplays based on your stuff, though?
2: I'd be willing, except for it's not a form of writing that I've ever done. And I'm really apprehensive of putting something in front of people that I'm not good at yet. Like I, I feel confident in the books because I, I can I I like that style of writing. I feel confident in the music because I've been doing music my whole life. But like the the screenplay, there's a whole other art form behind the screenplay.
0: Oh I know, I write screenplays.
2: Yeah. So but, I But
0: but I'll tell you, with the way you visually see these books, mm-hmm. it lends itself to screenplays a lot better because a mm-hmm. screenplay is show me.
2: Yeah, show me the scene and then give me the dialogue.
0: Exactly. And I'm pretty
2: dialogue heavy when I write. Uh, and that gets actually more prominent the more books I write. I, I really dive into the dialogue more and more.
0: Which is screenplay laden, not I'm just I'm throwing it out there that I think you <laughs> could write and write it as a series and pitch it to Netflix or YouTube Red or something like that.
2: I, I am not opposed to it at all.
0: Well, if you want help with that, feel free to reach <laughs> out to me. I will help you co write your, your screenplay and then we'll submit it to Netflix. And then there we go. And then we're of off. Awards. Golden, <laughs> Globes. It'll be awesome.
2: You know, if we get to the Golden Globes, we are definitely going to be drunk. Yes. <laughs> Plain and simple. <laughs> I
0: should probably be careful, though, because after breaking my leg and my metal inserts, my bionicness probably should not be too intoxicated if we have to get on stage and say anything. <laughs>
2: Are you kidding? I'm going to put a microphone on your leg so that we hear the mechanism. Then... <laughs> I think that would put it over the top.
0: A friend of mine came over today and she goes, Are you going to play that music? You know, the, <laughs> <laughs> the
2: six million dollar man. <laughs>
0: And I'm like, listen, I've been looking for a mechanism to play theme music for me in so many situations that I can easily just switch to whatever the theme music is for that circumstance. I would have theme music follow me everywhere. Yeah. And like when it's really awkward, I'd have awkward theme music and just watch the people react where I'm like, this is, this is awkward.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Turns like circus music.
0: Yes. <laughs> and then when people come in to do HR interviews and I'm like, I need to talk to you, they'd go dun, 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 dun. dun, dun. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely.
0: Yes, and then very solemn hand them their box, let them go to their... See,
2: I'll, I'll trade you. I'll write some theme music for you and you write a, <laughs> a screenplay for me. We're golden.
0: I'll, I'll tell you. I think that Johnny Scotch would be an epic screen. We should definitely talk about this at some point because I would love to show you that how to do that actually because I think the that visual art and I think writers who take their own stuff and kind of put it together is very useful mm-hmm. so that you don't have the Stephen King thing that happens to movies where it's... Absolutely nothing like the book whatsoever.
2: Right. Well, and I think that my uh, my illustrator. I mean, just to like give you a little context, when it came to the Johnny Scotch world, he st- his main job is as a storyboard artist. So he approached the comic book as if it was going to eventually be, you know, a, a second media stream. So he put it together in a sense that we could pitch the whole thing, anyways.
0: So. You're already right there and you're not doing it. I know. But you basically just said, hey.
2: Welcome to my life.
0: <laughs> we have a list, John, from this podcast of things that we need you to start
1: working on. See, I told you she's like the motivator. She starts right, tallying up a list. you are be like, Okay. Geez. This is what I get
2: for being a fucking alumni. God damn
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, <that's> it. <laughs> well, I just think, you know, as artists, we really have an opportunity i had a friend come over today to visit me which was nice because then it's social interaction and (laughs) she was like i don't know i want to be creative and she loves like hallmark and romance movies i'm like why don't you do a podcast about that there are eight million fans to these things if you've literally talked about the sweet scenes and the kissing scenes and like you know the rabid beaver doctor and (laughs) Montana or whatever the fuck she's like these are not titles i said like eight of them she's like those are not titles for any of these movies i'm like doesn't but matter could so be it, it, it could and I, be. yeah but i told her i'm like you gotta realize these movies are populated with d-list actors that probably don't really have agents that went to open casting calls that if you reached out to them on the internet and said hey i want you on my show to talk about the beaver doctor in montana they would you don't go for the main stars, you go for all the supplementary characters. you have a ton of people that want to be on your podcast. And she's like literally walked out and she's like, Oh, and I'm like, why don't you name it romance movie groupies and go just go fly? And so and probably this is gonna be established by the time this podcast comes out.
2: <laughs> and honestly, if you just put Christmas at the front of any of those titles, it is a Hallmark movie already. Christmas Beaver Beaver Doctor.
0: That's my point. I can't stand Hallmark movies. I'm just going to be honest. I, you know, I,
1: know, I love rom-coms. I need death and like I just need craziness, murder, and the Hallmark movies don't do anything
2: for me. I just need good uh, writing. Even,
0: they release hundreds of these Hallmark movies per year. I'm like, you have a huge fan base out there. Just yeah, you do. I'm all about inspiring people to take it to the next level was my point in saying that. Because <laughs> I think you could do eight episodes of this and prep it to netflix and stuff like that and they'd love the idea because johnny Scott is just a cool fucking character and they'd cast it with somebody like Nathan nathan fillion honestly and make it really Ooh. funny
2: i would go with nathan fillion he would work as johnny scott
0: I'm you see
2: just the right amount of funny and then that intense
0: <laughs> yeah exactly i'm just saying it's out there it's a thing it could happen we'll talk about it later Okay. It's your rapid-fire question, Vanessa. You've not asked
1: a thing. Ooh. Okay. I'm gonna throw. Okay. I'm. I will admit that I wish I watched more westerns. But one, I guess the closest thing to western is Westworld. So, sure. have you seen it? And what are your? And do you like it? yay or nay?
2: I love season one. Season two got a little away from me mostly because of substances that are legal in Oregon. And then season three, not too thrilled about. Because I feel they left the intent of the original season. I think season one was genius. It was beautifully thought out. Um, The timeline flips were really cool and the casting was amazing. Oh, I agree. But I, I think they allowed their their ego to get away from them as far as what they wanted to do. And they started like, they, they looked at the formula from season one. Okay, timeline flips are the thing. And they created timeline, you know, season two in a similar way, but went further out. So it was less coherent. Mm-hmm. And then season three, they just kind of went off the rails and lost their intent of what the uh, original was about.
1: I agree. Yeah, because the whole time I, I will admit and spoiler, alert, so if you haven't watched Westworld season three, uh, I was actually disappointed that they were all variations of uh, what's her name, Dolores. Yeah, they were all. I was I was wanting to have that whole like okay which one of them was who, you know, in the different bodies. And then they all were Dolores. Like they're mm-hmm. all came stemmed from her. I was like, oh, this is not fun anymore. Because I, yeah. I think what also made season one amazing was being able to like, look at the clues. If you were paying attention to how things were, you could figure out, okay, the white cowboy hat is guy, and the black cowboy hat older. And mm-hmm. it's evil and the in the good guy and it's just I don't know. It just it's like what Game of Thrones did for me. Like I loved all like the I know. I see your disappointment. <laughs> I see your discipline. Like those first couple seasons, like they had so much layers and they Beautiful. had like the stuff in the background that if you weren't like you could figure things out, but then towards the end it went like where where the where are we going? Like where are we going? Like it's. I feel like whatever you promised me over here, we just went completely over here because you're trying to surprise me, but I'm no longer surprised because it's bullshit because it doesn't yeah. match up with what you did over here. Yeah. yeah.
2: And like, I will yeah. admit that I I really loved some of the casting from season three. Mm-hmm. Um, Breaking Bad guy. I I don't remember his name. I I, I think he's a phenomenal actor. Yes. I think he was beautifully cast in there. I think he was entirely underutilized from an aspect of what he can do.
0: Which Breaking Bad? bad I didn't watch Westworld, but I just actually finished watching since
1: my leg was injured. Oh. I watched all of Breaking Bad.
2: He's the kid. What's his name?
1: I can't remember his name, but the younger one. You have yeah. the teacher, the professor, the, one that, the chemist, and then his... His, his, uh, his protege. His protege. Jesse.
2: Yeah, Jesse. Jesse.
1: Jesse. Yes, yes. I
0: just watched that entire series. His name is Jesse.
1: Oh, yeah, he is phenomenal. And I think the whole, the only thing with that season is like, I kept thinking it was going to be some bigger thing than what it ended up being. But I will say the best episode, though, is when the the black cat guy play, was fighting with all his different variations.
2: That was pretty cool.
1: I mean, it was the best writing. It was the best acting. It was just like, oh my God. It was so trippy because he was literally arguing with different, him, but in different ages, mm-hmm. like his young self and then his younger self and then like his crushy old self. It was just, oh, it was brilliant.
2: Well, they I, cast his character very well in each timeline. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they really did pick interesting actors to create that character.
0: And I think that helped. You have to have a brilliant actor. You have to have a brilliant director and you have to have a brilliant script. You have to have the trifecta of those things. A lot of the other stuff, sets, props, special effects, a lot of that shit can go to the wayside. if
2: Cinematography.
0: Yeah. Yes. And no, because that's actually (laughs) a lot of it is also editor. A lot of people don't understand the editor can make or break the pacing of a film the way an editor makes or breaks the pacing of a book
2: true look at look at star wars excellent example the editors made star wars actually george lucas's wife slash ex-wife made star wars
0: well it's interesting because a lot of people in that particular we're going down a whole rabbit hole here Mm -hmm. in that particular (laughs) um set a lot of people don't realize like i don't want to talk about episodes one through three because they're garbage and i feel like they're not even in the universe, but. A lot of people don't realize that on Jedi, he and I forget the gentleman's name that worked with him that helped co-write and direct those movies, walked off the set of Jedi and didn't come back because Mm -hmm. he used uh, the Ewoks were supposed to be Wookiees. It was supposed to take place on Kashyyyk and George Lucas was like, for my kids, I'm going to make them little teddy bears. And that's when that, that whole thing went off the rails. And I think it's important to remember on a lot of stuff, the pieces that make a whole. You know what I mean? All the people that make something really wildly successful. And I think, I haven't watched Westworld, but I think any series where it starts to go off the rails is when I've seen them do stuff like change out writers, change out directors, change out, you know, and they're not keeping with the continuity of the show because like I just rewatched Ships Creek 2, which is one of my favorite shows. That show is so epically written. Like just that and the actors and the characters. And that's because um uh what is his name david uh levy yeah. was the lead writer on that show the entire time and kept the continuity and even yeah. though it's a, a comedic show i think a lot of shows like even um star Trek voyager for instance right the yeah. first season was kind of garbage they brought seven of nine and then it got better because the first season was like let's write this very politically correct season of all these stuff, and then they actually went into there's this eminent threat, and let's do that. All of a sudden, the show got rescued from horrible ratings. You know, mm-hmm. I want to just pat the nerd on the back that went. Listen, we need a big-breasted blonde superhero to come into the show. That's what we need. <laughs> Here <laughs> goes seven of nine. And then they were like, "The show is saved." So this I-, is how
1: I felt about the most recent Star Wars trilogy. They should have just kept the same director they should have had somewhat of a vision for the three movies because to me by the time you got to was it rise of the skywalker i got pissed off i'm not gonna lie like i came out of there like what the hell did i just watch because i feel like it was right.
0: they were never going to write those movies okay i don't care if they had the same director as somebody who went and saw star wars at three years old at the chinese man theater <laughs> waited too long There was too much fan. There was too much buildup. They were never going to write. I don't
1: know. Well, see, but the thing is, though, Mandalorian was so epic. Like, you you can't. But it
0: has nothing to do with that other universe. That's the thing. So was Rogue One. I thought Rogue One was awesome. The way they wrote Rogue One. That's the best. I agree. But they're not taking characters that we know and love and have all this stuff and have put more into than was ever there in those characters. Like they waited twenty years. If they didn't write twenty years to do these movies, nobody would be as mad.
2: So here's here's my take on like the most current three, is basically that is that uh, could, could, sorry the yeah, director. Need know the words, John. I know I need the words. You've had me drinking too long. <laughs> the the problem is the first, especially the first movie is basically Star Wars, just reenvisioned with a 12-year-old's idea of what he wanted Star Wars to be. Okay. And then he allowed that kind of concept to keep going, because the second one was very similar in many aspects to Empire Strikes Back. He just basically took the original trilogy and reworked them. To to what he had been in his room playing with characters for since he was 12. And that really pissed me off. Because if you want to expand and go forward, you have to bring in new information. You have to bring in new characters. And you have to do it well. And he never did. He just relied on the nostalgia of the original three movies, hoping that would drive the new trilogy to success and it didn't matter because it still made a shit ton of money so whatever disney's rich
1: yeah i I, well the thing is like i'm okay with a little bit of it like for instance it's okay to have a callback to the original because i I understand the thought process of you know they were like okay people were super pissed off about the prequels and i can understand where you have your (laughs) problems so they were trying to say okay Listen, we're coming. We're we're trying to remind you that we want to bring you back to why you liked the original. But my whole problem is that by the time you got to the third film, these characters that you made to seem like John Boyega's character for some reason, right now I can't think of his character. Like at the end, I'm like, I feel like he got like no justice as a character, and I I don't know. Like, like,
0: I've given much thought to this and much debate. (laughs) Before we go totally off our, what we're supposed to be doing here.
1: We're
2: not off right? what we're supposed to be doing?
0: I think part of the problem is that when you have a series, when you're creating a series of movies, you have to build up. And I'm going to use a very good example that is also sci-fi. When they did the first Alien movie, they went against one alien, right? Mm-hmm. That was a thing. One alien got onto the ship through the, you know, thing. And it was battling this one alien, right then when they did aliens they went back to a planet to find that more aliens had taken over right and that was terrifying because there's more of them because the first one if you watch alien the movie that movie still fucking holds up like pacing and stuff that is a terrifying fucking movie and the way they did it similar and i think the difference with star wars even versus a lot of like star trek and stuff like that is when star trek hit the borg for instance in one of the movies they hit a uh universe ending enemy in the borg right that's what it was you started off star wars with the fucking death star right? right i you can kind of buy it that they're going to rebuild it i guess but the problem is they started with that instead of starting like with rogue one where it was we need to we need to fix this smaller mission like any of the james bond guys there's devastating things that happen but it's you're going after this one thing instead of they kept having to make epic more bad situations because it's not a bad person it's not like we need to take out vader it was we need to take off this battle station that can destroy worlds well they just built this thing that the Empire just had to keep building battle stations to destroy universes because they just had to keep building a bigger one because how do you go to a smaller threat from when you have such a big threat?
2: Well, I think, and I actually blame the MCU for a lot of our cinematic woes because Marvel, as lovely as most of those movies are, And how cohesive as their tie-in to each other is. It took this idea of episodic filmmaking and told Hollywood everything has to have this larger grand world idea and tie-in with multiple movies, multiple characters going over different things. And we lo- we've lost the idea in Hollywood of what just a really good story is, because everything think- has to tie back to something else.
0: So I'm going to make three movies out of this, right? You, you—that's my thing—is that I, I, I agree with you on that, except with the Star Wars again. Empire strikes back the thing about empire strikes back that was so wicked and so whatever is it actually resolved no conflict. What so fucking ever. Nothing really got resolved on that, right? No, it
2: actually added of, conflict.
0: Yeah, it did. They got away, but it just added and they weren't trying to and it was brilliant, but then when you, the next thing you're trying to do is like this huge thing and I think that that is where a lot of the directors maybe went wrong in looking at those movies was trying to do this next big epic thing with it, right? And trying to beat the last big thing that we blew up, the Death Star. How do we get away with this movie and not blow up something?
1: Create a bigger Death Star? Because that's literally... They're like,
0: oh, hey, let's... It's a goal. That's (laughs) what I'm saying is that they got stuck in that, like, I have to do bigger than the thing. Kind of like when they did... um, you know, the third Alien movie. That, you know, what was interesting is if you actually looked at the original script, Sigourney Weaver wouldn't be in the movie if there were any guns. Hmm. That's what happened to Alien 3. Is she wouldn't be in a movie if there were any guns at all.
2: See, and I have always held a personal affiliation with Alien 3. I think it is super underrated. It's really quirky because you have David Fincher as the director, a really young David Fincher. And they really tried to ca- recapture that idea of Alien after it, the big blockbuster James it, Cameron it, Aliens.
0: I, I love Alien 3. I actually like Alien 4, too, with Monona Ryder and all those guys. I actually do enjoy that movie.
2: Such a goofy movie. It, I love that one, too.
0: <laughs> it, it, that's a popcorn movie to me. Like I'm like... Yeah. Go ahead, go go lean against the alien cage, you know, creepy doctor that's obsessed, like wants to have sex with an alien, whatever. Um, But I think, again, with Alien 3, you had a similar problem where Alien 3 by itself is a good movie, but you just went from what was supposed to, you know, destroying these aliens on the planet, and yet they still get away. You need then the next level up of what the problem is, right? That's how these kind of things work. If they're not, you have to have a bigger problem, like a new problem. And being crashed on a prison planet is not a new problem. You know what I mean? Like, it's not the same as showing up and all these aliens have killed all these, you know, terraformers and stuff like that. I don't know. We could go on for hours probably (laughs) on
1: this topic and we already run pretty late. This is rapid
2: fire, right?
1: (laughs) Well, I will say, just to tie all that up, is just that, you know, whatever a, whether you're writing a novel or you're writing a show or a, a movie, you can't I understand it's it's I feel like a lot of a lot of people are just like, Okay, we need to find a way to reinvent what already worked instead of trying to be reinventive and do something different and try to explore an outreach. And I feel like we get stuck in these like very formulaic ways of thinking it's like okay you did this yes I understand that you're not sure if this new thing is going to work but you have to like you need to break out of whatever mentality you were over here and really change it up you know and I feel like that's that was a problem because the reason why Empire Strike Act worked it's like because no one else did it And you know, you know when you got that revelation at the end of the movie that the villain that you thought this whole time ended up being the hero's father. Like you you, it it just had so much impact on you.
0: They don't mean father in German though. Did you watch Pitch Perfect? We should have known that.
2: (laughs) I did
1: not know that.
0: (laughs) No, she says that they were talk they're having a whole thing and she talks about not liking movies and she goes the guy was talking about the biggest cinematic reveal in cinema history. And she goes, Vader literally means father in German. Like, <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, you learn way more from pitch perfect than you would ever think you would.
0: Yeah. There is perfect wealth of information. Anyway. Okay. Let's, let's, let's wrap this epicness. up. Okay. Oh my goodness. Okay. So tell people how to find you. Well, first the name of your new book again,
2: the name of the new book is "Once Upon a Fang in the West."
0: Once upon oh. a Fang in the West, yeah. vampire spaghetti western. We love yes. it. Where do people find you? Its release date is May, May the fourth, like May, May
2: the fourth, which ties us into the Star Wars universe. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. How do people find you? Uh,
2: You know, you can find me at my publisher's website, notapipepublishing.com. You can also find me on social media at Johnny Scotch on Facebook or author John Dover on Facebook. You can also find me on my own personal website, which is readjohndover.com, which has all the links and probably more information than you'd ever want to know about me right there.
0: So if you want to stalk, that's how you find him. Wait, no.
2: Wait a minute. Yep,
0: yep. He absolutely would like you to show up dressed as his characters too, so I'm throwing that out there. Or not
2: at not, my house. House. not at my house. Not at
0: my house. Bring him whiskey, scotch. Bring him. Now scotch.
2: that that works.
1: He dressed <laughs> as a character. Bring him scotch. He'll probably end up at his house. But his wife. Good will- scotch. Good scotch. Yeah, good scotch. Not that whatever Silicon Valley garbage, whatever the hell that shit is. Hot and shit. you know, you probably if you get him drunk enough, he'll probably start telling you secrets about his
2: if he can remember what he's talking about.
0: I was going to say, you don't get a lot of secrets because he forgets things easily. No. So, (laughs) this has been Drinking With Authors Literary Briefs. I've been your host, Erica Lance, with
1: me. I'm Vanessa Valiente,
0: And we will see you next time.